Hello everyone and welcome to The Stage Place, the podcast where we here chat to those who make the work that you see on stage happen from behind the scenes. From writers to directors, producers to stage managers. And in today's episode, I am joined by writer and performer Alice Christina Corrigan, who is bringing their multi-sensory, multi-inclusive production of Past Life on tour. The tour opened last week at the Lowry and is continuing its tour throughout May when it opens at the Whole Truck Theatre on the 12th of May, Camden People's Theatre from the 16th to the 17th of May, Unity Theatre on the 19th of May and finally the Curve Theatre in Leicester on the 26th of May. Sitting down to chat with Alice, I really enjoyed our interview. She's a really incredible individual with a lot of insight about the inclusivity of this piece as well as herself as a visually impaired performer. It's a wonderful interview and I cannot wait for you to listen to it. So without any further ado, here is episode 98 of The Stagey Place with performer and writer Alice Christina Corrigan. Hello Alice and welcome to The Stagey Place. How are you doing today? Hello, I'm doing well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for coming on, Alice. I'm really excited to talk about Past Life today, which is a show which you are taking on tour this May. It sounds really exciting and there's so much stuff that I want to talk about. But first of all, Alice, I'd love to know a little bit about Past Life, where it came from, what it's about and what you're hoping to achieve with the show. Past Life has been on a massive journey and I think no one is more surprised than me uh, that we are in this in this position with it now and it really was like the protagonist in my career trajectory over the last few years which is a bit mad so it kind of initially came from my MA thesis where I was questioning how can I make theatre accessible for blind and deaf audiences in particular and I had no kind of idea just how much that would not only helped me as a person really identify with my vision impairment because before then I would never talk about it it kind of just existed kind of idle to me um so not only from like a personal level did it kind of develop and kind of grow with me but it also opened me up to this beautiful world of accessible theatre and visually impaired theatre and where my voice is within the landscape so it started there as a little little 20 minute MA thesis, nice little, not as heavy as it kind of is now. And from there, I kind of knew when I left, I wanted to do something more with it. And I landed a DYCP and worked with Cryptic, who are a fantastic disabled led organization. And I performed an extract at the Barbican. And since then, I have worked with Campus Theatre, where it had its like first full length debut last year, which was supported by Arts Council and the Octagon Theatre. And then worked with Extant it last year and worked really on the audio description integration, which is something really, really, really exciting about the project, but really kind of worked and performed it at Bloomsbury. And now we're in a position where after all of these years of like developing my creative access footprint alongside past life and watching both me as an artist grow in that show grow has been fantastic and now we're at a point where it's off on its little tour but initially it just from me wanting to explore creatively a story that I was really interested by but also like the creative access side of things and I think that's integral to me my story isn't about my disability or my oppression and the negatives that are often coined with disabled ideology is actually just a story that happens to be creatively accessible and kind of advocating for bigger changes. That's really exciting. When you were doing your thesis then about all of this, was there anything like past life already, you know, like companies doing this sort of thing? Like, was there anybody that you were looking up to or navigating your way around whilst making past life? It's a really good question. 
I think back then, I remember like watching Ad Infinitum's Extraordinary Wall of Silence, which was about um, British Sign Language and its heritage and culture. And they used captioning and obviously used BSL. And I just remember that being such a like, oh, I've never seen anything like this. Yeah. So, you know, that's an example of something that it obviously like it, it kind of existed a few years ago that was trying to kind of tell a story and kind of advocate for inclusion and integration of BSL. I think me back then, I would have had no clue about the wonderful work that has existed for the last few years. We've got Grey Eye, we've got Extant who are making work. But me then... I didn't have a clue. Ad Infinitum was the first show I watched where I was tuning in with access and and that political voice of using theatre to spread that message. And I think that comes down to like a lack of representation within like education system about all of the wonderful artwork that is actually going on in this country in relation to our like disabled voices. So me now, yeah, I can look back and tell you like what existed, but me then like, that was such a like profound moment. But yes, really interesting, interesting conversation there around education. <laughs> no, yeah. And that's what I want to move on to. You know, of every guest that we ask on a podcast, we go back to like their younger self and just ask about your upbringing with theatre and the arts in general. So what was the upbringing for you, Alice, with theatre? So I grew up very working class without any... One, without the financial, like, stability to go and join, like, stagecoach or, like, a, you know, like, a Saturday, like, theatre group. Yeah. And also, I'm originally from Northampton, which doesn't have the biggest, like, art scene. So it was difficult on, like, two levels. I was always interested in theatre, so I was, like, part of the school, like, youth theatre group, like, on a Tuesday evening and, like, would love it and do, like, the school shows. Yeah. So I was really, really shy as a young kid and I got, when I was nine, got a random role in, like, the school play and I had that, like, cliche moment of, like, oh, my God, I don't know how, but I want to work in this industry in some realm. And I, I definitely held on to that. But in terms of, like, my relation with theatre was somewhat very, like, non-existent in terms of like, I didn't really go and see theatre. I saw the pantomime a couple of times, but didn't really have the resources around me to be able to, to go to the theatre a lot. And I think that's another aspect within my work is like making accessible theatre start with access to theatre. So how can we encourage the next generation to be able to come to the theatre by making our tickets cheaper and by making stories like for people such as myself who understand what that world was and making it far more attainable and kind of, you know, trying to change the elitism within the arts, but are there one one fight, fight at a time, if you know what I mean? <laughs> I'll fix it all right now. It wasn't until uni that I really, I think, got to open up the world of like arts culture around me. I moved to Liverpool and yeah. haven't kind of left the North since. And I think that scene really kind of helped me go, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, this exists. I like this. Yeah. So let's talk about past life then. If people are coming to watch the show, what can they expect? Who's the character we meet and where do we meet them at the start of the show? Past Life is a one person show that follows Kira through what she deems to be a quote unquote very stereotypical breakup. And we meet her right at the beginning of retelling the story through a diary that she kept when she went through it. A diary is a form of therapy, according to Kira, and it's out of your head. And therefore, one day when you're ready, you can relive it, which is where we start. We start with just going in and reliving this story. And sometimes that story takes us way further than we anticipate. It's colourful, it's vibrant, it's creatively accessible. We've got big jigsaw square blocks, a big pink glittery floor. It's a cartoon-esque world that we accidentally step into, like Alice in Wonderland falling down the rabbit hole. 
And it looks at the aftermath of trauma and where that sits with us. And actually, we're more so retelling the story of how we refind ourselves post events that are really profound in our life. The show explores the normalization of sexual assault in relationships, but how that unravels aims to be a story that an audience member might enter having no clue that their experience has happened and feel validated in seeing a story that I think so many of us feel but are confused and cautious and don't know where our voices sit. This aims to give the validation that every story, every experience just as good and there is quote unquote light at the end of the tunnel. But what is the light at the end of the tunnel? Is that just acknowledging it? I think that's a really powerful thing that past life aims to do is yeah. not give you a false sense of hope, a false sense of dramatization of, of really profound things that a lot can relate to, but actually just acknowledging it is sometimes the most powerful thing we can do. Yeah. And obviously you're the writer of the piece and the performer of the piece. So when you're dealing with these subjects and you know that you're going to be doing this performance throughout your tour and you're in rehearsals and you're dealing with these subject matters that you're talking about, which are online, I believe, in every venue and it's on their website talking about all the themes in the show. How do you go about that, doing that in rehearsals and playing that character over and over again for all those performances? I think approaching a story that tackles quite harrowing themes not only as a writer but as a performer is a very very interesting conversation especially when you then combine the two roles I think trauma dumping on on stage and using our personal experiences to broadcast into a piece of art can have really negative repercussions on the mental like psyche of whoever this is and I think what was really important to me during my developing and creative practice bid like I mentioned a couple of years ago which focused on accessible storytelling practice and something within that is well-being and access to that support and actually what that looks like in in the early days of a process so i are indeed the early days of the script with a bunch of wonderful disabled women and we had a a beautiful week of just exploring the piece before it even existed and that helped to really detach from any autobiographical any personal experiences so it it was completely made up but based on the voices of women and our shared experience so that definitely helped when approaching it there's a level of detachment and a level of safe space within the writing that means triggering things potentially to the person might, you know, um, we've tried our best to do that. And I think the way, or at least I hope the way I've written the harrowing moments, the triggering moments is in a way that is light and in a way that I think reflects what that actually looks like, which sometimes for the most part, isn't very big and evil and nasty and heavy and all consuming. And actually the moment where we might go as as far as we go is such a profound moment in the play that it brings to light the normality of actually you just kind of you never have to delve that deep to feel it sometimes we never talk about the worst things that we've ever gone through in our life or we do we talk about it like it's a joke and that to me I think has really helped to continue that like safeguarding line within rehearsals and writing it if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely and obviously you were talking about accessibility earlier on and there's a lot of accessibility throughout this tour as well I see that there's a BSL performance but also what I really like is that your first performance I believe is at the Lowry and there's a live stream of the show as well isn't there to make it even more accessible so people can buy tickets 
and watch this show live. But can people also catch it after that night or is there going to be an archive of it that people can see? So TBC when, but the live stream will be available after a bit later post May, it will be available to watch. I think that's such an important thing. It's like, yes, it's great that you can watch it live yeah. from home on the kind of incredibly nerve wracking. Not only is it like just never to do a live stream show, but we'll just add it onto the first night of tour, like, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but it's great to be able to offer that, but also um, something I was really keen on was to be able to provide it at a later point as well which is fantastic but you'll have to just stalk past life social media in mind to <laughs> for any further update on it yeah. but it's coming. <laughs> well we'll we'll quite retweet it when the announcement does happen and the people are <laughs> able to watch that live streamed performance the archive of the live streamed performance so alice i want to talk to you a little bit about how you felt throughout your education and you know bringing this work in mm-hmm. what was that like for you what was your education like and bringing yourself into this industry and education is so so interesting and something that I'm really passionate about like advocating for change I had a good education experience and I was luckily lucky enough to like do a drama a level I was the only one in my year who did so I had to like go to a different school and that was at a time where actually we still had such a we were given more more space and freedom to do like drama music whereas I think now educationally they're kind of combined for the most part in like generic schools and then I, I did a drama degree and then I went on and did MA in acting so fortunately at every kind of step I've been able to keep creative and I, I'm really passionate like really proud of that being able to do that especially to be able to fund my own MA that was hard but <laughs> education and like access to arts I think was something that I kind of clocked like I've mentioned like disabled led companies were never mentioned yeah I wasn't really aware of what my access needs were until I went to drama school and realized just how inaccessible the rooms were for me and I was kind of faced with it and there's obviously a financial burden especially when we're talking about higher like post degree education but how do we ensure that we are encouraging those who are in like primary and secondary school who like I just mentioned don't really have the same access to strands of different art forms as we did back in the day because even then it was limited and how do we encourage those who don't want to go to university or can't afford to go to university to still have the like creative outlet, which is what art is. You don't have to go into the career, but the, having that space just to explore. And it takes one time to go to the theatre and see a show that resonates with you so much that yeah. it changes your life. And I'm such a so passionate about it. So that's kind of one of the reasons why at the Lowry Hull Truck and Curve in Leicester, we're doing free workshops for the local communities. So each is looking at like how we can create our own creative access toolkit and footprint, being able to provide like one, a free space two free tech support and just giving that hands-on experience because I still think it's such a gray area between like wanting to make accessible work and how you actually can and being able to provide cheaper tickets with that so the Lowry you could get a discounted ticket to the show which was great that's a I think a an example of how important outreaching to the local communities of like organizations is because that workshop any of them can change someone's life or someone might feel validated in wanting to do something and now they can see someone like them and be able to go forward and do it so I think that for me anyway that feels like somewhere in which I can help advocate for bigger changes within education system by kind of not approaching the education system but offering alternatives and creating that creative outlet which I think is so integral to young people 
yeah no it's it's really exciting that you're able to provide that and like you say you know open up the discussion as well and open up this idea that you know theatre really is for everyone it, it just needs to be seen and people need to know about it people people like us people that are disabled people that are working class people that have never seen themselves like it's up to us to be able to get into those positions of power to advocate for bigger changes because theatre is so important to people like us who work in this industry we've all got those stories we can all pinpoint those moments but it's an industry that for the most part is not on average person's radar and is financially very hard to to find stability within so creating the changes that younger versions of us would have loved and would have made our lives so much more like simpler career-wise and just like mental well-being wise to have those spaces is so so key and it it comes from advocating and it comes from questioning and are kind of asking those like sticky questions from the organizations and making them feel a bit uncomfortable and saying hey you could do this is really really exciting so it's kind of taking the negative taking the oppression taking the, the times where we wish like somebody was visually impaired who was running a big organization or oh i wish i could afford those tickets is is taking all of that angst and actually trying our best to formulate ways easy simple free ways we can give back yeah yeah so if- so if people are listening and they're listening because they're one of the venues that are doing this workshop what can you tell us about what the workshops will entail yeah so the workshops are kind of split into two key aspects of like our creative access toolkit creative captioning and integrating audio description i am very passionate about both of them and i think audio description is an area that often gets lost in conversations. So it's great to be able to have like these two hour sessions where we can focus on the two. So we come in and we will get hands-on experience of making our own captions with a little bit of text. I basically just hand it over to the group and be able to show very simply how easy it is to be creative with it. And the moment we start seeing it as creative, that's the moment it becomes fun. And the more people start to make their own creative captions, which is super exciting. And then we would dissect a little bit of in an interactive way how we can approach integrating audio description within our writing. Even if we're not writers, the best thing, and again, it comes back to everything, comes back to education. Education and funding. They are the two things. Pretty much everything I ever say will come back to. Just skip the podcast and just education training. (laughs) Don't skip the podcast. It's uh, being able to, or at least what I have found from audio description consultancy that I do and create captioning consultancy as well is when people know that's when people will continue to seek change further on in whatever kind of world that they work in so even if you're a writer and we we delve into a little bit of like simple tips and tricks that you can kind of add to your metaphorical little toolkit we all walk around with is being able to educate yourself in a fun and interactive way and be able to potentially help loads of others along your career path which is the only thing I can like ever advocate for. You can't be other people for not knowing. All you can do is provide the tools for them to go and do the best with them that they can. Like you say, people who manage to get tickets for the workshops will be able to see the show as well. Is it a discount rate if they book tickets for the workshops? Some of the venues are doing discount for that. I am also offering free tickets to two young working class people at every venue. I'm just doing that because I want to. I don't know. I just, I'm like, why are we not? How do I do this? So the Lowry have been lovely and they've offered me five sets of two tickets per person. 
person, which is fantastic. And it just shows you ask and like the Lowry have gone above and beyond in terms of their support and their desire and their want to seek change and, and really listen to the access side of things. Um, I'm one of their like artists on, on their Develop With project. And it's been fantastic to see how willing an organization of that level are to yeah. advocate for these changes and just asking them like hey i really want to give back to be able to do that i think is a really really like cherry on top it feels really nice so not only if you book onto the workshops do you get a discount ticket but over the next couple of weeks i'm going to be seeking young working class people around yeah. every community to go hey do you want two tickets like because it's free so come watch some theater and uh, hopefully enjoy it <laughs> That is amazing, Alice. That is so admirable as well. Like, I hope people are listening to this and just realising how amazing you are and just trying to make a change, like you say. It feels very elitist up at the top, you know, in the higher grounds. It's slowly shifting, right? And we can only do that by making the change ourselves. And even though it feels small, it, it really will go a long way for those kids. Like you say, like you said earlier on, it's that one show that people will then just go this is what I can do. This is amazing. And hopefully for those working class kids that you're able to give back to and give those tickets to, they'll be able to see this and go, I remember watching that show because they gave the chance on me to see that show. And that is incredible. That's really amazing. So for everybody who comes to see this show, Alice, what do you want them ultimately to take away from the performance? There's a couple of things that I would like the audience to take away from it. I'll start maybe from the access. My want there is being able to watch a show with a visually impaired actor with all of this integrated access and leave feeling like they have just simply watched a show yeah. and remembering, oh, wait, and it did this and it did that and she was this and it not being the subconscious subgenre accessible work sometimes falls into is a massive win for me is being able to tell that story and for those to not even realise that what they've just watched is a creatively accessible and integrated show. From a story perspective, I want the audience to leave feeling validated, feeling seen, feeling like whatever way they might be able to relate to this is valid. And I want them to leave feeling empowered and potentially questioning what they've just watched. That's always good. And I leave you with a few little questions in my own little way. And I want everyone to leave thinking, oh, I really want a big pink glittery carpet because I now very much do because that set is wicked. <laughs> <laughs> well can you not take it away at the end of the tour is it yeah, your uh, I kind of will maybe who knows <laughs> if you're listening to this I have not stolen the set <laughs> <laughs> well actually you've just moved on to my final question about past life is the rest of the team in past life so do you want to talk about who else is involved in the show yes we have combined a beautiful team who have, for the most part, worked on different eras of past life, if you will. We've got Maddie Moore is our fantastic director, and she worked on the production with Extant at Bloomsbury Festival last autumn. So it's great to bring her back on board. Similarly, our movement director, Mark Conway, worked on it before and has been back. We have a lighting designer, Megan Lucas, who was a part of the rehearsal process last week when we were rehearsing, which is great to bring tech team in like at these early points. And she worked on the cryptic Barbican sharing. So that was fantastic. And yeah. Lutha, our fantastic assistant director, worked on the cryptic Barbican uh, journey as well. So being able to bring those together has been beautiful. It's been produced by the lovely Ella Dale, who has a company called Carmen Collective. And our tour manager, Laurel Marks, is brilliant, powerhouse, really technologically advanced in that I have handled her a Q-Lab of like 1,500 cues. Oh, wow. And she has 
smashed it, really smashed it. And our set has been designed by the lovely Carly, who has given us such a vibrant, colourful, and she took what was existing in my head for the last couple of years and has made it exist in a really simple and effective way. That was like really quite overwhelming seeing it for the first time. I was like, yeah. oh my God, it exists. So they are our fantastic, fantastic production team. I'm very scared that I've missed someone, but we had a cracking week at Grey Eye Rehearsal Studios. And then we're back at the Lowry for a few days yeah. and it was a beautiful week. I feel really held by the team and Maddie is a fantastic director who understands the show in a way I don't which is why I love it the questions the the thoughts the creativity where it exists now I could never have imagined and yeah so it'll be Carly who's on the phone to you at the end of the tour then when she's like I can't find the rug the the pink yeah. sparkly rug <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> it's now in my bedroom. <laughs> yeah. um, so, Alice, I've got two final questions for you before I leave to let you have the rest of your day. My first question is about advice that you might have for people who are listening to this podcast who want to create their own work. Maybe they're listening because they're also looking at making work that's accessible for audiences or they're just like you and want to create work to show what you can do. So what would you say? Oh, I love this question. I advise you to apply for literally everything and yeah. not think about it too much. Things that I have landed are always the things that I never ever thought I'd even get an interview for. And they are the things that have like continued to change my life. So apply for everything, even if you think you're not qualified enough. I'm sure you can finesse. Mess up. So don't be scared of getting it right especially when we talk about creative access, we are all still making it up and trying to find what this footprint looks like fundamentally, the foundations of what creative access is. We are all messing up. We are all still learning. So do not feel like you can't take a risk. I Take a risk. If you've got that idea that this in your head, but everyone around you is going, I'm not too sure, because that's exactly what happened with me. Just follow your gut and do it and push yourself. It can be really, really, really daunting. It can be really scary. It can feel like a massive gray area, how people kind of get into this industry, because I know for sure that's how I felt. But just be comforted in knowing that no two people have the same way in the same the same career the same opportunities and what is meant for you will come to you which sounds so annoying but no one can offer what you can in the space yeah. and know that that's your power don't hold yourself back no. just do it apply for everything yes no i think it's really important so alice thank you so much for that information <laughs> hopefully people are listening and taking that on board alice i've got one final question for you on this podcast and it is the title of this podcast that's the stagey place and what i love to ask all of my guests is whereabouts <laughs> their stagey place is so Alice, this could be a theatre that you've grown up with. Maybe it was one of the theatres that you saw the pantomime. Maybe it's a theatre that you're going to on tour with Past Life and it's really helped you create the work. You know, we've been talking about the Lowry, so maybe it's the Lowry and how open they are to this tour and the ticket system and the schemes that you're doing. Or maybe it's not even a theatre, but a person that has inspired you throughout the whole of your career. It could literally be anything, but... Alice, I would love to know, whereabouts is your stagey place? I'm going to go with my first impulse of this to answer the question. My stagey place is a studio space 
at the back of Liverpool Everyman and Playhouse, where I spent a year as part of their Young Everyman and Playhouse company called Yep on a Monday evening and created work and devised, worked on scripts and felt like I really understood where I sit in this world and left going, I can do this. I think I can be an actor. I think I can make something here because I think I was ready to give up and I think I found myself there and I always call it home. So that is my stagey place. I love studio spaces. <laughs> I love the fact that, yeah, like in this podcast, people are always going back to where they like first started and, yeah. and you know, really grew that love for theatre. So it is really lovely that it really does, every single time I say this, but it really does feel quite warm that people go back to those to those places. You know, it's either that or when people are inspired by a teacher as well. Like usually that's like really emotional because it's just like people just love to be inspired by other people. So it's wonderful. Yeah. So Alice, thank you once again for coming on to the Stagey Place for talking about Past Life, which is on its UK tour. We are going to have all of the tour dates on our podcast when this episode goes out we will have it all on our episode notes which is fantastic so people can book those tickets and the accessibility throughout this tour is amazing as well i know that you've got some bsl performances throughout the run which is incredible alice thank you so much for coming on thank you so much for having me it's been it's been lovely to chat thank you thank you and there we go, that was our interview with Alice Christina Corrigan, the writer and performer of Past Life, which is currently on tour throughout May 2023. We'll have all of the tour dates and tickets in our episode notes wherever you are streaming this episode. I'd love to thank Alice so much for coming on to this podcast. This really was, when I was editing this interview, one of the best pieces of interview I think we've ever done on this podcast. To be able to talk to somebody who can really speak freely about how they work as an individual within this industry is something that I've always wanted to do when achieving this podcast. So Alice has been an incredible guest to have on the stagey place, especially as we're rounding up to our 100th episode. It's so nice to go back to basics and talk freely with an individual about their work within this industry. And that's it for today's episode. I've been Elliot, you've been listening to the stagey place and until next time, I hope you're keeping safe and staying stagey. Goodbye.